Welcome to the Clean County Time Podcast. I'm Aaron Sorrells. And I'm Brian Atkinson. Today, our guest is Mary Santora. Mary Santora's comedy is slightly dark and incredibly quick. Her debut album, Hillbilly Bougie, hit number one on both iTunes and Amazon, number five on Billboard, and can be heard regularly on Sirius XM. Mary joined us at the Gilda's Laugh Fest Recovery Showcase, and we're going to talk with her about the good, the bad, and the funny. I grew up super religious. I grew up in uh, Pentecostal. Oh, see? Yeah, we're in a community church. This is like the cool church. We're like, wear your jeans, we don't care. You know, like back in the days. Uh, Pentecostals were like the holy rollers speaking in tongues, you know what I mean? Those kind of people. Yeah, yeah. And growing up that way has made me pretty much bulletproof in real life. <laughs> I've lived in some sketchy neighborhoods, and we'll go to, like, I have a friend's over, and we go to the gas station, like, oh, my God, Mary, didn't that guy outside scare you? I was like, girl, I have seen worse at a Sunday service. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we could understand him. <laughs> I know what he was asking for. <laughs> Elder Deborah, not a clue, but she had it, you know? <laughs> Deborah is scary. I have seen her. I know what's going on with that. Mary, thank you so much for being on the Clean Comedy Time podcast. Yes, Mary. Thank you for being here. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys so much for having me. Excited to be here. Thank you. Well, as I mentioned earlier, um, uh, I got to meet you for the first time at the Recovery Showcase as uh, part of uh, Gilda's Laugh Fest uh, just a little bit ago. And um, so we're going to talk about recovery, but I'm going to get some other stuff first. Cause that we, we all get that. Yeah. And we talk about that kind of stuff on the show all the time, but, uh, <laughs> I want to, I want to get more into your comedy first, uh, just so people, okay. uh, you know, get to know you that way. Yeah. Um, so, uh, just right out of the gate, uh, wh- why, why, why did you go to comedy? <laughs> what got you started doing that? You know, man, I ask myself that every day. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, you're usually in a two-star hotel in the middle of the country. Like, what am I doing with my life? Um, no, I was always interested in comedy, and it is um, one of those things I've always enjoyed. And uh, I actually got started for the first time in college. There was a girlfriend of mine who was um, producing a student stand-up comedy competition, and uh, there were ten spots and nine men and no women. And she was like, "Hey, you want this?" this 10th spot. And I was like, sure. And so, you know, I did a competition the first time and then kind of just kept going from there. And every comedy show since then has been that same mix. Yes, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, One of the things that we try to do here at Clean Comedy Time is whenever we do a show, we always try to make sure that we've got uh, a person of color, minority, something like that, and a woman. Sometimes uh, they're checking two boxes like that, but it's you can't have a diverse show unless you do it on purpose. Um, uh, don't forget, Brian, we also try to make sure that every show has at least one old white guy. Oh, yep. And that's uh, me. And uh, how do you find those? I can never find any old white men. Really? Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. I'll, 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 few and far between. Yeah. Mm. Well, you've got my contact information now. So, yeah. <laughs> Next time you're missing that old white guy, uh, you know, you don't know where to find me. Um, yeah. So uh, now I have seen lots of videos of you and and i've seen you in person a couple of times um and would you say that you are known for your crowd work um i don't know if known is is i don't think i'm known for anything but i i enjoy doing crowd work it is something that i have a lot of fun with and yeah. that um you know it you feel it out and if somebody 
I've never shied away from it. If somebody, you know, shouts out or if it's a, I ask a, what would normally be a rhetorical question and somebody answers it, I'm not going to get upset. I'm going to roll with it and, you know, kind of go, yeah, go with whatever happens. And, um, it's funny because I only got comfortable with crowd work because I was doing these horrible, horrible bar shows for a while (laughs) where it was just, you know, two people where the opener I was opening and going up doing 30 minutes cold, which means I would, yeah, yeah, I would do, uh, no introduction, no host, no nothing. You would feature and you would just do those 30 minutes. And so you had to, you had to rope the crowd in some way. And so that's kind of how I learned to do crowd work. And then honestly, post pandemic, I kind of in the last few years have realized that nothing really matters when it comes to coffee. <laughs> when it's like, because I would get so upset if somebody would shout out or if my set got interrupted because I'm like, I have to work on these jokes and I have to perfect them and they have to be, I want to get through what I want to say. And then the more I realize where I'm like, yo, that's not really fun for anybody. I'm not having fun. I mean, the crowd's going fine, but then I'm kind of giving every crowd the same show. So when I discovered that it was way more fun just to roll with the punches and embrace crowd work Mm -hmm. is when I started to, I started to have a lot more fun with it. I started to get a lot better at it. The crowd response started to get a lot better. So, um, in the last few years, it's something that I really tried to embrace. So awesome. Uh, I have, uh, you know, taking some classes and and reading and practicing and so on for my own comedy. And I've had multiple people tell me, oh, yeah, if you get a a heckler, if you get somebody who speaks up, don't give them any power. Don't let them talk. Don't. And watching you specifically and how you work with them, I am – uh, just completely throwing those comments, not completely out the window because sometimes people are jerks, but you, I don't know if you just are engaging with them or kind to them or whatever, but it works. Um, the- <laughs> well, that's a big part of it is you don't have to be mean. People think that crowd work has to be mean or that you have to insult people and that almost never works. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, if you want, if you want to have a funny, engaging moment with somebody, then you have to be funny and engaging. And yeah. it's funny when I, when I was dipping my toe in the crowd work pool, uh, I was actually at hilarities and I was very mean. I would shut people down immediately if there were any kind of a heckle or anything. And I would get very mean and very personal and very offensive. Yeah. And the manager of hilarities was like, yo, either you stop talking to the crowd or you're going to stop working here because people Ooh. are not happy, you know? Oh, wow. And um, there's a comic named the, that same weekend that I was working with. His name is Matt Fulcheron. I don't know if you've ever worked with him. He's so, so funny. Um, he and I were talking about crowd work and I was kind of mad because I felt like I was getting a good response and the people were on my side and that guy's an idiot. You know, why don't you just throw him out? Like I was like, almost mad at the club. Mm-hmm. And Matt Fulcheron gave me the the tip where he was like, listen, you're just interact with them. They're going to make themselves look stupid at some point. Like you don't have to do it for them. Seriously. And once that kind of turned in my brain where he was like, let them look like an idiot on their own. And then you're the hero anyway, (laughs) you know, then all you have to do is be funny, which you already are. So um, once, yeah, once you kind of get that in your mind, you're like, Oh, they're going to say something stupid. I don't have to do it. They're going to make themselves look dumb. So just let them do it. It'll be fine. (laughs) That is tremendous advice. Thank yeah. you. Um, we, 
and we of course uh, w- witnessed that at the at the recovery showcase. There were a couple of moments there where where somebody said something, and, and you just took a total laid back uh, attitude, like, "All right, you know, I got all day. We, yeah. we can sit here yeah. and talk about this." Well, and that's <laughs> what I mean by like what I have to say is not that important. So if you've got something that's that's <laughs> clearly burning a hole in your soul, and you have to say it out loud right now, then when I guess we're going to talk about that for a little while, you know, <laughs> yeah. we'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah. But I think too, what's fun with crowd work is that it makes every show unique. So it's yeah. more fun for me. And then it also leaves a lasting impression on each crowd where they're like, they could come see you twice in a weekend and it wouldn't be the same, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which kind of brings me over to uh, your, your day job uh, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. Uh, you're the co-host of the Alan Cox show on the mm-hmm. 100.7 WMMS, the buzzard. Yeah. Cleveland's rock station. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you do afternoons there, and I've uh, watched and listened to a little bit of your show. I have a background in radio too, not like that. Um, my voice is more of an announcer. You know, I'm ready to mm-hmm. introduce the latest in in Muzak, and uh, yeah, more of a jockey. Yeah, for sure, yeah. and also <laughs> just my age. I mean, that's what we did. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, what I uh, heard and watched and so on is um, it's that same quick uh, yes. that you need to have. And so I was wondering, did one influence the other? So you're, you're quick on your feet, working on the radio, you're quick on your feet, doing crowd work. How did those two uh, play off each other or work together or what pushed one or the other? Well, honestly, radio amped up my crowd work times a thousand because we do a live show four and a half hours a day, five days a week. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the other co-hosts is a comedian. And then the host himself, Alan, he's been in radio 35 years or 30 years. And he also started in stand-up and they're both very quick, very smart people. So it's one of those things where you you have to be quick. If you want to contribute, it's a live show. You don't have time to think about it or rehearse or you know, write a joke ahead of time. You got to think of that immediately. So getting used to being on radio it definitely helped how quick I can be on stage um, just because it's muscle memory. It's what I do all day, every day. Yeah, right. You know, so I would say that the radio contributed to the crowd work. Yeah. 10,000%. Cool. Just to strike the difference there. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll say this a couple of times. It's my age as well as uh, just what my experience was. Um, I had people telling you, telling me uh, when you're working in radio, Oh, you got to think of what you're going to say before you say it and then say it. And I, at the time I was always like, well, that sounds really stupid. Mm-hmm. That, it doesn't sound natural at all. It doesn't sound like, and, they, and then they were telling me, you got to sound more natural. It's like, well, don't plan. Tell me what to plan what I'm saying. Yeah, pick one. <laughs> have you ever had a conversation who was clear with someone who's clearly nervous and had rehearsed lines? Like, I don't know if you've ever been on a date and the person was just like, so what are some of your interests? And you're just like, oh, my God. You know, like it's so forced and awkward. But it also depends on the type of show. Like if you're doing for if you're doing a, a jock set, you know, and you, you say you have two hours and you have eight stop breaks where you have to um, – do a couple minutes. Yeah. Yes. That lends itself a little bit better to prepping and having at least in general idea of what you're going to say. We go in and we get, we go in blank every day. Um, Alan has a show rundown of the topics he wants to get to each segment. He's the only one who has it. And then we kind of just go from there. Mm -hmm. So he'll introduce topics and however it plays out is how it plays out. So 
and and that works and it's so natural when when it's done well um so you guys are it's great it's really fun it sounds like you're having a great time and that's yeah. and that's the truth when it comes to stand up as well like if the comics on stage and they're clearly having a great time the audience is going to get drawn into that yes they want to be a part of it that's why yeah. they're there uh, I, this is the last thing I'm going to say about my own radio stuff is that that was one of the things that pushed me to doing clean comedy because I, I worked in radio for a long time where it's like I'm incapable of saying certain words in front of a live mic. Yeah. So for me, it's like, well, that's just how it is. And I'm married. My wife, she doesn't like the other kind of comedy anyway. So if I want her to like what I'm doing, I'm going to keep it clean as well. Uh, but so, for you, Mary, Mary, are you are you capable of? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, here's the thing: I can work clean, I can work dirty, I can kind of do whatever's needed of me. Um, and I, <laughs> there were times when I first got on radio where it was it was difficult not to curse. It was very yeah. difficult. Or I would go away for a weekend and do shows and you can say whatever you want. And there are no, you know, there are no limitations. And then coming back Monday morning was pretty hard to censor myself. So it's just kind of easier to keep it out, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I have to say, I know now you can, you can flip that switch and I, I don't know oh, if yeah. you were me messing with me, but I, but at the show, you know, at the recovery showcase, I remember you coming in and you came into the kind of green room we had set up and, and, uh, you know, there were some sailor-esque qualities, uh, <laughs> to the introduction and the conversation. And, uh, and then, and then you're like, Oh, uh, this is a, a clean show. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then boom, you flip the switch and you know, you did, you did 45 minutes of, of church level, clean comedy, uh, you know, without, without even like possibly misstepping. It was, it was excellent. <laughs> well, thank you. And, um, I, I hate to pull back the curtain this much, but, uh, <laughs> When there's money involved, I'll do what I need to do. You kind of got to. It's like, yeah. oh, this is clean. All right, let's put on our clean cap and let's make this check. And then, <laughs> you know, if there's limitations, you have to follow them. Otherwise, you don't get paid. <laughs> you know? right, right, right. So be a professional about it. Make your money and go home. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's one of the things that Aaron and I got on our plate right away is that clean comedy is green comedy. If you want to get paid. It really is. It helps yeah. a lot. Um, and the but, thing that I try to tell people too, when they ask about that, like, Oh, I don't want to work clean. I don't want to huh. do this. I don't want to do that. And I'm like, that's fine. If it doesn't feel like genuine to who you are, yeah. if you can't turn it off for 40 minutes. Um, that's cool. And just don't cry about not making any money at the bar shows you're doing like oh, yeah. colleges and corporates and the places that want clean comedy. That's just kind of how it is. So figure yeah. it out. Yeah. You know? And that's one of the things that we've always done with clean comedy time is we've said to people, you know, we're not working with clean comics. We're working with funny comics who perform clean material. Right. right. And so that it's always that like, well, we don't care what they say when they're walking around their daily life. It's we care what goes on on the stage. And, um, right. And that's kind of getting to what Aaron was saying about um, I have a, I have conversationally. Uh, a dirty mouth. I curse and I say whatever and I'll go like that, but it is, Oh, it's work time. Okay, here we go. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, so all of that uh, now I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and shift gears over to um, you are a comic or a person, a human being who is also uh, in recovery and uh, mm -hmm. you've got uh sobriety. How long have you been sober? 
Uh, three years, two months, and 21 days. That's so great. You know, we don't know each other personally, but I'm proud of you for that. I Thank just, you. I love that. Um, I, <laughs> I'm always um, in awe of the count. Yeah. Of of the it's been this exactly this many uh, you know days and Well, it's it's the day your life changed. You yeah. know, it's like it's like when people get married or have kids. It's a day that you don't forget because it was a day that your life instantly became better, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Uh while we're recording this, this comes out a, a couple of weeks after we recorded, but uh my wedding anniversary is tomorrow, so I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, you have had some uh, some other major changes once you uh, became sober. It's crazy admitting you got something wrong. You know what I mean? Like I work on this. I'm realizing so many things in my sobriety. I'm learning a lot. I've learned about mornings. Have you guys heard of mornings? <laughs> wild, right? <laughs> I woke up like three weeks sober and I was like, hold on. You mean that I have time to get McDonald's breakfast and go to the bank? Are you kidding me? Get out of here. Yeah, uh, I, and this is the thing with Aaron and I, Aaron, the unemployed alcoholic, he's got years of sobriety in his way, and I'm one of those people who's never had a drink. Oh, wow. Good for you. Well, yeah, as it turns out, um, uh, my biological family, uh, a rift with, uh, with alcoholism and mm -hmm. everything you can abuse. They're all over it. Right. Um, and are all clean now, which is awesome. Um, but, uh, it just turned out that, uh, in before I ever met them, it was never a thing. But uh, but back to you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no worries, man. Yeah. Um. So the discovering mornings. Uh, yeah. And uh, I I thought you know the only thing that occurred to me about that is like yeah, but afternoon drive. Do you you still don't really know what mornings are though? Come on. Right. Yeah. I don't have to be on air till two, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Um. No. I, you know, I was bartending and I was doing stand up, so my life generally didn't get going till two p.m., three p.m. You know, um. And that's fine because that's the kind of life I was leading. But uh, it was that joke leads into more of like the reality behind it is just how much time you have on your hands when you yeah. quit drinking. Cause it's like, I'm not yeah. hungover, So I'm not, I wasn't out drinking till four in the morning and then I'm not hungover. So when my body naturally wakes up at like nine 30 in the morning, which is still <laughs> not that early, right. like I'm up at nine 30 or 10 and I'm like, damn, I have all day. Like what yeah. am I going to do today? You know? Right. So it's just like, man, yeah. I can go get breakfast. I can go to the bank. I can run all my errands. Like this is crazy. Yeah. At uh, the flip side, uh, I did morning drive for a long time. And mm -hmm. so now when they ask me to do a comedy show that starts at 9 p.m., I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Mm -hmm. You got to be up at four or three away. <laughs> right. Uh, and then uh, and then you've also uh, picked up a, a number of activities since then. It has been a crazy couple of years to be sober. I will say that. Sober during a pandemic. Whew, buddy. Right? Listen to everybody. Like, boy. It, uh, it got to the point for me where I had to Google sober activities. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I was 18 months into recovery and that was my rock bottom for sure. Because the internet had nothing for me. <laughs> One of the things that popped up on Google was paddleboarding. Which means that even Google was like, you don't dream. Oh, uh, go stand on the river alone. I don't know. 
They're just like, the only thing open is liquor stores. Like, it's liquor stores and Lowe's. If you're not getting drunk and building a deck, I don't know what to tell you. Like, and you added to that the uh, the number of unfinished decks in Michigan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's I, a crime I, I got to ask you, Mary. Now, that that line of go stand on a river alone, how, mm-hmm. how did that come into existence? Because it's so well-crafted. I worked backwards on that one. And okay. you're going to – this that joke in particular, um, it sounds so stupid. I really like the word river. I think it's a funny word. I think it's stupid. And I wanted to write a joke with river in it. And, um, you know, I think I was just one day I was just looking at paddleboarding. I was like at the beach or whatever. And I was like, man, this person is just, they can't have any friends. Like they, they, what they do for fun <laughs> is they just stand on the river alone. And I was like, yeah. boom, there it is. Now I can put that. It's almost like I had the punchline first and worked my way right? backwards. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, that, that makes perfect sense to me. Cause I was like, cause paddleboarding is not always on, on the river, you know? No, it, no. It lakes. Be, I mean, I live yeah. in Lake by, right by Lake Erie. So that's actually where I saw the person paddleboarding, but I was like, bam, boom. River, right. Yeah. But, but stand on the river alone. That's so much better than stand on the lake or the ocean right. alone. It's just, yeah. uh, so that's funny that actually all of that stemmed from uh, the word river. I want to use saying, the word river. That's a funny mm-hmm. word. Yeah, river cool. and owl. I've been wanting to write a joke about <laughs> owls for a while, and I just they're just so such a weird bird to me, and I haven't I haven't gotten my owl material out yet. But we'll get there. <laughs> so yeah. so during the pandemic, uh, <laughs> um, I, I worked on an impression of a, a bullfrog. Oh, there and, you go. And one of my first. Uh, one of my first sets after, uh, uh, like after the lockdown, I did an impression of a bullfrog, and then I played on my phone all different owl <laughs> owl sounds, mm-hmm. and had people guess the uh, the owls. Like I don't think I would ever do it again, but it crushed. It was so good. So I think you're <laughs> onto something. <laughs> like okay. I'll keep that uh, in mind. Owls are hilarious. Yeah, people yeah. like them, man. People <laughs> were hungry for comedy. Uh, just a few months ago, <laughs> yeah. they seem to be over that now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's my uh, bullfrog impression. Nice. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, the time has come on our little podcast to take a break, but we'll be right back. Be sure to give us a review on Apple Podcasts so it's easier for people to find us and like us on all your podcast favorites. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Uh, Mary, I have to say I'm a, a little bit jealous because I spent an entire weekend at a campsite practicing my bullfrog impersonation, and you just nailed it like first first time. I don't think you could even tell the difference between yours and mine. So. I just did the same noise you did. That's all I did. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So that, that was so much fun. It's so much fun to talk to you, my friend. I, oh, thanks. I, I know I've mentioned this before, but uh, I I have a lot of admiration for you. I think you are uh, just incredibly funny, incredibly inspirational, and just a just an all around cool person. So thanks. Thank uh, you, Aaron. I really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for hanging out with us. Um, yeah, no problem. Yeah, in the second half of the podcast, we like to get a little bit deeper. We like to go into what's going well for you, and even some things that you might be struggling with. Uh, so, Mary, what is going well right now? Man, you know it's it's kind of going well like life is kind of going well right now it's, man i love that answer you know it's wow. 
I've got comedy. I'm I'm working a decent amount on the road, although I kept my summer pretty light. I just moved in with my boyfriend. He has a six-year-old daughter, so um, she's obviously going to be out of school this summer. So I'm not traveling again until, like, I got a little one-nighter here or there, you know, but I'm not, like, gone for a week again until August. So oh. that way, you know, it's like our first summer living together, and I wanted to be as available as I could because she'll be spending more time here, you know, whereas – now, um, when she's in school, we only get her on weekends, which is tough because I'll be gone traveling on weekends. But I'm like, you know, now I can be home a little bit more for the summer. And plus, comedy is hard in the summer anyway. So it's not a horrible time to take a break. Um, so that's good. Radio's good. You know, I'm uh, trying to learn how to edit more video and, and build a social media following. So I just had a video hit 6 million views on TikTok, which is crazy. Oh, congrats. Um, yeah, thank you. So yeah, I mean, that part of stuff is, is pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's huge. That's mm-hmm. uh, 6 million. I, I hit 650,000 on one and I, I, I pretty much started just signing autographs everywhere I went and right. <laughs> but I'm 6 sorry. million. Dang. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'm up yeah, to six. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. That's so, man, you just hit so many spectacular things right there. You talked about your family life and, and something that's really incredible to me is, is you putting that first, you putting the relationship with that six year old, and spending time together and, and that, uh, uh, t- how, how is that relationship? It's good. Like I said, I, um, I travel on weekends and my boyfriend, we currently only get her on weekends because she's with her mom to go to school, uh, during the week. So it, it's, I haven't been here as much as I could be because of stand up. Um, but then again, I wasn't going to obviously cancel my weekends, you know, like I already had first quarter booked, back in, you know, October. So it's, uh, you know, before that even. So it's not like I could get rid of what I already had. So I figured the best next thing would be to just keep the summer light. So that way I can build a relationship more, you know, her and I get along. It is um, fun. It's great. It's a completely different feeling than being an aunt, which I'm very used to. I've been an aunt since I was 11 years old. Yeah. Like dating a guy with a kid didn't make me feel weird or anything like that. But, uh, but it is um, completely different. So learning my own role in her life uh, as a unit, the three of us, you know, like it's just a lot to figure out. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I can I can hear in your voice that, you know, this is this is uncharted grounds that you're it really is, stepping you know? in on. And, uh, but I mean, you, you, you know, who you are will shine through that. You know mm-hmm. who you are will uh, um, will make for a great relationship. So I I just like to encourage you that uh, um, that that's going to continue to to develop and 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 hearing you prioritize and hearing you um, you know looking forward to that even in some uncertain uncertainty that's that's what's going to do it. So good job. Well, thank you very much. And it's funny because all four of my brothers and sisters have kids and have had kids for years and years. So I'm kind of experiencing things for the first time that they are experts in, you know? So I'll just, we have a group text message and I'll shoot a text message. Like we went, uh, the three of us, my boyfriend, his daughter, and I went to the water park and it was just the most like 
challenging, frustrating, beautiful day. Because I was like, there's moments where I'm like watching those two in the pool together and they're swimming and they're having so much fun. And it's like this just beautiful moment for me to watch them have. And then two seconds later, she won't stop splashing him in the face. And he's like, I'm going to drown you in this pool. If you don't know. So it's just like, it's, it's just this, such a weird mix of emotions where that I, like you, like you said, that I have not experienced before. So it is, um, it's like a new chapter of life, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's exactly what it is. It's a, a new chapter of life, but, but you have experienced some new chapters in life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cool. So what, uh, so the comedy you, you, you talked about that going well and having bookings and having opportunities to travel. What do you uh, attribute that to? Hard work, I hope. Uh, I don't yeah. know if that's a lame answer or what, what? but um, I mean, on. that's it. No. Yeah. Uh, no, we we need the special secret that we yeah. can bypass the hard work. <laughs> like, I don't know, decade of sleeping in my car and yeah. driving all over yeah. the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's been nice. Um, comedian Dan Cummins, I'm not sure if you know who he is. He has a very popular podcast called Time Suck. And um, I worked with him at Hilarities for the first time and I think it was 2018. Um and we got along and his wife is from Cleveland. So her and I got to chatting and, you know, it was, it was a great weekend. And, uh, I hit him up when he had come back to Columbus a few months later about coming down and doing a guest set at the funny bone. And so from there I began featuring for him. So Dan will take me out on the road a couple times a year, which is fantastic. Cause you know, he's just so generous and he's been doing it, you know, 20 plus years. So just watching him work and then the, insight that he has being on stage double the time that I am is just fantastic. It's priceless, you know? Yeah. So working with him helps a lot. Uh, because then, you know, if I go to a club and I do well, I basically treat it like an audition where I make sure to get the manager's email or something afterward. Like, Hey, I'd love to come back and then try to come back on my own. Um, between that and then regionally doing pretty well with radio. So being able to book a few weekends through that and then, you know, colleges and festivals and whatever else I can get my hands on. So, you know, I've been doing stand up 10 years and you make, you make contacts and you make friends and partners and things like that through networking and doing horrible shows together and bonding. (laughs) Eventually it's going to start to pay off, you know? (laughs) Well, so it sounds like a lot of things, but it sounds like a, a genuine relationship, you know, that, that started by working together, but, uh, um, you know, meeting his wife and, and having that, that common, that common point of reference. Um, and then from there, just, just being able to observe and watch and learn from and. Yeah. 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 It's great. It was a great, um, it was great. It's in the, in the relationship, the friendship is, is fantastic. And, um, I don't want to downplay it. Like the only reason he takes me on the road is because we hang out and it's cool. Like I'm, I, I work hard and I get good responses from the crowd as well. You know, that's the other half of it. It's that oh, being yeah. cool and fun and, and building a friendship, but you also have to show up, you know, you also have to, you know, be able to perform well in front of these sold out shows and things like that. So I think it's just a really good setup with him. And then, uh, yeah. And then I have, um, ends with like helium, Comedy Records did my album. So this year I was able to book out with them. So do a run of their clubs and, you know, obviously hilarities in Cleveland. So yeah, it's, it's been going really well. Nice. Nice. So a lot of different uh, irons in the fire, a lot of different networking activities, relationships that, that are all kind of pan fruit. Yeah, pretty much. I, I don't think I've ever said that 
uh, phrase before. It's a dumb phrase that doesn't really make much sense. Paying fruit. <laughs> Producing fruit? fruit. Honestly, I heard pan fruit, and yeah, I was like, I heard yeah, too. "Yeah, it's pan fruit, man." No it's pan. You know, yeah, yeah, that, you, you know, nice job. You just rolled with it. You're, you're like, "Yeah, pan fruit." Yeah, yeah, yeah. pan fruit. Man. I don't know. Maybe that's like a Michigan thing or something like yeah. that. Totally you, you take some peaches and some bacon grease, and you get that going up in a pan there, and it, yeah. you make a make reduction. It a on it. Yeah, make it a cobbler. It. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, man, that is that's so cool to um, to hear about that. To hear the dynamics of multiple different relationships, multiple different networking efforts, all paying off, uh, all paying dividends, uh, not paying fruit. <laughs> uh, so that that is uh, that's super cool. And and the radio stuff. That's uh, you said that's going real good. Yeah, radio is fantastic. And it's given me the opportunity to be kind of a draw in my market of Cleveland. And, you know, within a couple hours of here, like I was in Dayton over the weekend and it's not a ton of people. I'm not selling out shows, but over the course of the weekend, I had like 15 people come out who were listeners to the radio show. And, you know, like I said, that's not hundreds of people, but it's a start. It's 15 more people than I had before I did radio. So, um, that's great. And like I said, it's super fun. It's just, you go in and you hang out and you have your messing around with your buddies, but you're also, you know, reaching a lot of people and it's really great. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's interesting too, because those, the people that hear you on the radio, um, and then see you live, like that's a super cool experience for them. Because yeah. it's it's like a mixed medium thing, and and they're you know they can put a real live face to um you know to the mysterious voice on the radio, and and <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool. That's that, what a great thing to share with them. Well, and a cool part of that too uh, is that they feel a connection that's different than just someone who discovers you from stand up because they listen to me twenty hours a week every week. So it's like they know more about me than some of my friends or cousins do, you know? Yeah. So um when you're open and honest and you know, you're it's a lot of time to fill. So we talk about our lives and sure current events and jokes and yada yada. But um when those people do come out, like you said, it is kind of an experience. And that's really, really awesome to see that level of um support. Yeah. Mary, I used to get this when I would go from radio to someplace in person and Say, you don't look like your voice. Right. <laughs> and I just was thinking with the video being part of the medium now and so easy to do, does that happen anymore? Well, we have a live stream that we put up on YouTube and our website every day. Yeah. Um, so a good amount of people know what we look like. But yeah, all the time people are calling and be like, I never <laughs> thought, you know, <laughs> that's still a very big thing. Yeah, to to me, you sound exactly like you look. But I guess I I I saw you uh, like I didn't I didn't have to uh, think about. Oh, great! What is what does this voice look like? Uh, yeah, so. you have to guess. <laughs> Good things. I got to say that uh, was probably my favorite response of all time through doing this. Uh, what's going well? Life, life is going well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Of course, there's, there's, uh, you know, in order for things to be going well, there's, we got to acknowledge some things that aren't going well. So what's, what's something that you might be struggling with right now? You know, there's a few things going on right now that could be a little bit easier. Um, my father passed away a year ago. And so grief has been a huge struggle in the last year and a half. He passed away January of 2021. So, um, obviously, 
it's been a little bit of time now, so it does get easier as time goes on. But, you know, there's still days where you just can't even deal with it. You know, like over the weekend, I was in Dayton, Ohio at a comedy club. And for whatever reason, I had horrible nightmares both nights. So Mm. just nightmares about my dad, you know, and so then that I don't get a lot of sleep and then I'm tired the whole next day and then that affects how you perform and then I'm not necessarily happy with my performance and then I have to drive four hours home and ruminate on the fact that I'm not happy about my performance. And at the end of the day, my dad's still dead. You know what I mean? So so grief has definitely been one of the biggest struggles in the last, you know, year or so with me. Um, not just like I lose sleep or whatever, but like in staying sober as well. Like until my dad died, I had never in those first two years of sobriety, I didn't even have an inkling of a desire to want to drink. And then after he died, I was like, that is all I want. All I want to do is get hammered and not have to think about how I feel, you know? So that's definitely been a struggle. That's probably been the biggest struggle in the last, you know, recent months. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, that's, that's hard. I, I too am part of that uh, club that we all join at some point and never mm-hmm. want to. Um, right. My dad passed away a couple of years ago. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that is hard. Um, grieving is hard, especially through sobriety. Yeah. Um, you know, especially with any kind of uh, acknowledged uh, mental health struggles or anxiety, depression, any, any of that stuff to get layered with, you know, the loss of a father. It's, uh, um, it's very, very tough. Oh, it's so difficult. And, and like I said, it it was the one thing that, that sober people, regardless of what you're sober from, you're kind of walking through life and you, you got to face everything, you know, in one of the first meetings I went to, they said that the drinking is just a symptom. The drinking isn't the problem. I mean, it causes problems, but you're drinking or you're using or you're gambling or whatever your thing might be. You're doing that to avoid what's really going on, you know? And then, so when that's the only coping mechanism that you know, and then you have to face some real life stuff, it's super difficult because it's like, well, all I know how to do is run. So I don't really know how to handle this right now, you know? So yeah, yeah, that's been really difficult. Well, and I I know you've been you've been quite public uh, both on social media about about your journey through grief, and then of course at the recovery showcase, you know you the the grand finale of your show, you gave the audience an option. Yeah, he <laughs> said, "Hey, I, I'm going to get into some really dark material, or I can end on a funny one liner, and and we can go from here." You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's um trying to do jokes about someone passing away or grief on stage has been probably one of the biggest struggles in my career so far. Um, I tried to do them way too soon after he died. My dad died yeah. January 14th and then I was back on stage Valentine's Day weekend. So four weeks later mm. and oh. I was trying to do jokes and it was just, I just wasn't ready, but I was trying to force myself because I'm like, oh, it'll be cathartic. You can totally do it. And I was like, they weren't landing. My voice was shaking. I would get off stage and literally burst into tears as soon as it was yeah. over. So I tried that weekend and then I gave it another little break for a while and then uh, picked it back up when I was 
I got on medication for my anxiety and I had gone to therapy more and I completed grief therapy, like a six week grief or 12 week grief therapy program. And that made it a little bit easier just to kind of understand my feelings a little bit better to be able to joke about where they're coming from. But yeah, yeah. so definitely, definitely a difficult thing to do. Yeah. Well, and you know, anything, any, this is so cliche, but anything worthwhile uh, is difficult. And Mm -hmm. And your grand finale at that show of getting into that, you know, that tension where you could, you could cut it with a knife in the room and then releasing that tension with some laughter, like that was impactful to the people in that room. You, you you being able to dig in and, um, and address some very, very serious things uh, about grief and then release the, the tension with, with points of humor like that made that impacted people in that room. And I know it's impacted people in many other rooms. It definitely made it. Um, that was one of the hardest things, like, because you want to feel that release for yourself as well. So starting out when those jokes weren't well received, yeah. it was so difficult to keep trying them because it was like, you dude, I, I am laying it on the line here, you know, like, yeah, right. and I would have people come up to me after the show that were drunk or just trying to have a good time. And that's, that's their prerogative. They didn't come out to face this kind of stuff. Yeah. And this is when it wasn't that funny yet. And they'd be upset yeah. where they'd be like, dude, you ruined our night. We're trying to have a bachelorette party. You're up there talking <laughs> about your dead dad, almost on the verge of tears, you know, and oh. I can't blame them for that. Yeah. Um, but it does make it really difficult to want to continue doing those jokes you're like, man, yeah. I'm freaking making people mad. I'm making people are crying. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here, but I feel in my heart that this is important. <laughs> you know, it's, right. it's a very, very strange uh, dichotomy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. But, and I, again, I, I just uh, have to say it again. Um, the work that you put in, the difficulty that you pushed through to, to get that um, material and, and the way that you presented it to give the audience the option you know what, we can call it quits right here. And, um, or we can get into this darker material. Like, um, it it was a beautiful thing. It really was. Well, thank you. Yeah. So, and that's, uh, you know, of of course, Gilda's club, which, who was what that, uh, event was for, you know, it was the laugh fest recovery showcase, uh, which is a fundraiser for Gilda's club. You know, they, uh, of course they, they deal with uh, cancer support, but mm-hmm. grief support is a huge part of their mission and right. what they do. So, and I didn't know that was going to be part of your set when I booked you. Oh uh, yeah. 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 And then, and then to have that come together, it, it, it was a truly special night. Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. And there's, you know, people like that, that are in similar positions or have lived through tough times like that. Like those are the ones who will come up to you after the show and be like, man, you've said everything I've, I've felt, but haven't been able to put into words. And those are the Mm. ones where if I get two of those a show, then it's worth it. If I get one of those every three shows, it's worth it. You know what I mean? I had one woman come up to me and she had tears in her eyes and it was so moving. She was really, she's a little bit older. She's very upset. And I could see, and I was like bracing myself to have to explain myself to say, Hey, you know, like give her reasons why I do this. Yeah. And she asked me, she said, you know, were those jokes about your father true? 
And I said, yes, well, I'm not a psychopath. Like I would have made that up and then sell it <laughs> no, to people. No, he was know? in the audience actually. <laughs> yeah, actually right here. Yeah, meet up. Um, no, so and I was like, yeah, they're true. And she, she said that she had lost uh, a loved one to COVID as well and that she hadn't laughed about it and that that was the first mm. time that she was able to kind of look at it in a different perspective. And we both started crying because I was like, oh, yeah. God, you know, like you, you feel this immense sense of like um, – community almost like being yeah. seen and being feeling like you're doing something, you know, like you're helping people. I don't know. And, and you are like, I mean, as, as you know, a little bit about, I've got this comedy club in the metaverse now, uh, the soapstone comedy club. And, um, in the, on the backstage area, when you're walking up, uh, to take the stage, there's a quote from Victor Borg, uh, that says laughter is the shortest distance between two people. And, Aww. and that's like, like I saw that quote and I'm like, this is what this club is going to be built around. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that, that feeling of when you can connect with somebody and help them laugh about something, it's, it's, it's the best in the world. That's why you do it. That's why you do it. Absolutely. Well, Mary, if uh, somebody wanted to get a hold of you and book you for uh, an entire month or just a week, <laughs> you know, one-off show or or they just want to follow you on social media, what what is the best way for somebody to get a hold of that? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok. It's uh, at Mary Santora Comedy. And then Twitter is Mary underscore Santora. And then my website is MarySantora.com. So it's all, I always tell people, I'm like, you throw my name into Google, everything should pop up. It does. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Alan Cox Show is um, on weekdays from 2 to 6.30. And you can get that in podcast form. So anywhere you listen, you can listen to that as well. Yeah, I uh, caught up a little bit uh, on uh, YouTube today so that I uh, had mm-hmm. an idea of what was going on there. And uh, and you've got a link tree. And also, we want to make sure we point people to your album. Yes, my debut album, Hillbilly Bougie, uh, came out February of 2021. Uh, went to number one on iTunes, number one on Amazon, and number five on Billboard. Yeah. Yes, oh, very exciting. So you can get that anywhere you stream music. Or if you'd like to purchase it and support me, you can go to Bandcamp or iTunes or Amazon. Um, anywhere you get music or comedy, I'm there. Yeah, I want to make sure we point people to, to that because the streaming is lovely, but it pays nothing. Correct. So if you yeah. want to buy it from Bandcamp, that would be fantastic. Yeah. That's the, that's the <laughs> best for that's you. That's the best uh, for an artist. Yeah. 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 Make sure that you watch those uh, Bandcamp special weekends where they've got uh, more percentage going to the artists. And, it's uh, the first more. Friday of every month. It's called Bandcamp Friday. Um, and the 100% of the proceeds go to the artist. So Bandcamp yeah. doesn't take a cut and the uh, label doesn't take a cut on those days. That's so good. Thank yeah. you, Very Mary. Cool. Thank you Thank so you. much. For, Thank you guys uh, for having me. Absolutely. Uh, terrific speaking with you and uh we're just excited that uh, uh people in the clean comedy time world are gonna get to know you as well thank you i appreciate it thanks for listening to the clean comedy time podcast we bring comedians together performing their clean material at showcases fundraisers and other events our shows are free from course language and topics they work for anyone anywhere check out cleancomedytime.com to find an upcoming show or to bring clean comedy time to you 